Welcome to the View from the Three podcast. We should probably uh, introduce ourselves, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should, yeah. Aaron, as the youngest, go for it. I'm Aaron, I'm 24, I'm from Reading and I'm a personal trainer. I'm Jordan, I'm 30, I'm also from Reading and I work in client management. And I am Michael, I'm 35, fast approaching 36, uh, live in London and work in technology. So yeah, that's the intro. I think, um, I think the reason that well, we've got interesting perspectives because I won't say we're three different shades of shades of brown, but um, thirty seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think we both we you know as much as we have the same parents and we had similar upbringings, it's affected us all in slightly different ways. So um, for me, um, spent most of my time, my childhood, growing up with my mum, who's white, her side of the family. How this has impacted me um, being a senior leader in my business and in my industry, a lot of people are turning to me asking for opinions as to what they should do. Um, and I probably, obviously, I well, I'm, I'm very opinionated. And I have quite strong views on the subject, but I don't feel like I'm the best placed person to push an agenda because, as I said, or as Jordan said in the intro, um i've got a mixed bag I've, I've i've been on the end of privilege and i've been on the end of racism so it's it's tough for me to sit there and say exactly what should be done um although i know that racism's wrong i know that white privilege exists and i don't think that people should benefit from white privilege what do you think aaron you're the youngest how's it affected you the last few weeks yeah, it's affected me. Well, yeah, it's affected me more than I thought it would initially because I sort of the first week of it, I sort of blocked out. I was off social media for the week, um, and then I just come back on this week, and um, yeah, it's like had a big impact because initially I thought it was just a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, and I thought it'd be it was a bit of a social media moment. But then the more it sort of it's gained momentum throughout the week, it's annoyed me the way some people have reacted to it. Um, obviously, I know not everyone's going to be a fan of it, but uh, yeah, the way some people reacted from it is uh, is crazy to me. But I'm glad it's finally getting the the attention it deserves, and it it should be longer than a than a two week thing. Yeah, that's a, carry, a, carry on going forward. I think that's an important thing, like you say, keeping the movement going. Why do you think people have been annoyed though? It's like you say, some people have had the obviously the opposite reaction. We've all seen it. The uh, AJ's a racist or whatever I, response. I think so. I think that the reason why a lot of people have objected to it or taken offence to it is because they see it as being a personal slight against them. So if you're white and you're benefit benefiting from white privilege and you don't see yourself as being a racist because you don't act in a racist way, um, I think the, the notion of racism and, like I said, white privilege in a lot of people's minds makes them think, well... I'm not racist. So what are you talking mm. about? I don't act in that way. So what are you talking about? I don't understand, you know, you see all of the negative press around violence or, um, you know, destructing, destruction of property, all those things. And a lot of people are like, well, that's wrong without understanding the emotion that comes with experiencing racism. What I think I've seen is a lot of people, a lot of people with white privilege have got the, they've got a justification for the why the, the why they are the way they are and why they're not racist why, but where their views are okay um but they cannot bring themselves to find any justification for why there would be protests or why there would be looting and why there would be anything which obviously stems from ignorance um yeah which is strange to me it's, Ill it's illogical to me that people take it so personally that's why i found the strangest in the in this thing is but, but just by throwing the phrase out there, white privilege, people take that personally, like you throw their name in there, like it's a personal attack on them. And they're so quick to comment on it or give justification for a reason why they're not, because their cousin, sister's cat is black or or <laughs> or, what, or what a black individual is doing to, 
undermined them being pro-black. So, for example, Lewis Hamilton spoke out this week about being pro-black and statues should be removed. And he's, the instant response is, you're sponsored by Hugo Boss. They made Nazi uniforms. It's like, well, yeah, that's, there's, a, there's a clear difference there um, in terms of he's not promoting Nazi violence or or or. Or that, or that sort of stuff. He, he he gets paid. He gets made a wealthy man by them. That doesn't mean he can't stand up for what he believes in. I think that's the tricky thing, though, right? Because you've got effectively what you're saying is you're wrong. Like you today may have done nothing, but historically, you're. And I'm not going to say like I don't want to say race. Like race, the easiest thing to turn to. But there is, and I'm not saying this to sound like a dickhead, but there is only one race. Like mm. races, race isn't defined by the color of your skin, um, but Anyway, the point being is that people go, well, that the history of what happened doesn't relate to me as an individual. Like the way that I conduct myself is not racist. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't perceive that to be a thing that I did or do. So in that, in that example of Lewis Hamilton, Hugo Boss producing clothing for the Nazis doesn't then mean that Hugo Boss today is a racist organization. The issue is that systemic racism exists because yeah. of what happened in the past. So those unconscious biases that people have, you know, we've, uh, I'm sure all three of us have experienced them. Those that don't know us, um, we're all over six foot, um, not small. And, you know, there'll be a number of times where having a beard or having long hair and being brown black, whatever you want to call us, um, it, it generates a reaction from people, intimidation mm. or fear or whatever. Um, and they're the type of biases that exist because of the history of systemic racism. Yeah. They, um, it's obviously, it's always easy. Well, what we do in life as humans, isn't it, is pick the negatives out. We always look at the negatives out of the positives. Obviously, it's been a positive movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. It has brought a lot of awareness to it. It's brought a lot of money to the Black Lives Matter charity or, what, or numerous um, other organisations. But I agree with you, like the, the like the ignorance and like the bigotry that like white people have responded with, like not all white people, obviously just a minority of white people um, responded. It's like it's crazy to me. Like I was watching a YouTube video of uh, Troy uh, Troy Townsend, who obviously. Um, runs kick it out in the Premier League, obviously the like fight against racism. And he done a, he was doing the interview with Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. And they've had to turn the comments off the YouTube video and the likes and dislikes because obviously he was speaking about racism and obviously a new number of white people have commented something on there that obviously was distasteful or whatever. And like their their actions just, just surprised me really, what they say in this um yeah, it's crazy. That's why I never get is the instant need to comment or instant need to find justification or argue the point. It's not up it's not a debate. Yeah, it's not yeah. My, <laughs> yeah, my, my friend was trying to like we were having this discussion with my friend yesterday and I sent him the video of that woman uh who was speaking for like six and a half minutes about what's happening in black history, you know, when she used like the monopoly analogy. Yeah, talking about Black Wall Street and yeah. Yeah. And um he says, Yeah, it's interesting, but there's a few things I disagree with. And he's still yet to say what he disagrees with, but there's nothing you can disagree. It's facts. Like it's just a ma it is a matter of fact. That is what's happened over the years. It's, there's nothing to disagree with. And then he came back with me, came back at me with a video that uh, they done. Uh, someone was at a Black Lives Matter protest this week in Australia, and the presenter said, "Have you heard of this woman?" Uh, it was like a, a white woman. I can't remember her name. Um, and he said, "No." Um, and then she said, "Oh yeah, but she got murdered too." He said. I don't care. And that was like his rebuttal to So he sent that to me as his rebuttal to the black light because white people get killed too. But it wasn't anything to do with racism. She got murdered by a police officer who was a black police officer, but he didn't know she was white. He was startled and then he shot the gun straight away. But he almost used that as a defensive mechanism and a reason to why these things are going on today, which didn't make any sense to me. But I think that the challenge is, like I was saying before, is racism like this this systematic racism isn't it's a system like, it sounds like an obvious thing to say but it's a system of racism it's not an individual who's racist but what you're asking for people to do is take accountability for their actions or their part 
in that system. And sometimes their part in that system isn't conscious. Yeah, so yeah, as I said, it's subconscious, and isn't it? Exactly. So that's that's why a lot of people, I think, and I'm not excusing them. Let me make this crystal clear. I'm not excusing anybody because, and I, 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 like, well, I'm sure we'll come on to this point later, but everybody says things and does things and has unconscious biases which are offensive to somebody. Like, yeah. you, you go a long way to find someone who doesn't. So acknowledging that fact, you take that as, in that instance, I behave that way, therefore, I can deal with that instance. And a lot of white people are struggling with the fact that this isn't this isn't relating to a specific instance for them. This is relating to their history as white people. Mm. Does that make sense? So, mm. like that's I think that's a challenge for a lot of people, and why well, some people are resistant. Well, like you say it is a system. We like we like said we're mixed race. We both went to, we all went to school where it's predominantly white kids. We were taught the history of Britain, um, how they had the empire and how they ran the globe. You're taught the good parts at school. You're taught that they dominated and they took over all these countries without really going into detail of how it was done. It's almost delivered to you like they arrived in a country, the country surrendered and it became part of the British Empire. I'm not acknowledging the atrocities that happened over time, um, which is what a lot of people believe. They believe that PG version of that story. So when you thrust when it's thrust upon them the actual things that did happen they find it hard to accept and also i feel like there's a feeling at the moment amongst some people where it feels like by having this movement and the changes that people want they feel they feel like they're, they're losing something well they're not they're not losing anything but I, they just feel like something's being taken away i think like i don't know when you think about that the behavioral economics of like the change that's needed right so um we're talking about 400 years of systemic racism and effectively two and a half weeks of protesting, uh, two weeks of protesting. Mm. I mean, years of, 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 of racism. And what you're asking for is change. And it's like, anything, I mean, the industry that you and I work in Jordan, like long-term, long, like long-term saving is, difficult for people to do because they can't see themselves in the future so they don't yeah. they can't they can't think that fast they like the, the, the human mind is designed to um cope with the situation that's in front of you it's not designed to think of yourself 50 years into the future so the change that needs to happen to get onto an even keel is decades yeah it's not it's not this year it's not the next five years it's 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 yeah it's going to take a hell of a long time and I think that's another reason why people, again, let me just make this crystal clear. I'm not making excuses for anyone. I'm, I'm like, there's nothing that upsets me more than being the victim of racism and seeing racist acts. The history of black people is fucking, it's horrendous. And I'm proud to be black. I'm proud that that's part of who I am. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm as proud of my white heritage. But I know what comes with that. I, I know what comes with both of those things mm. and it's hard for me to unpackage that. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's lay the cards on the table, right? We're, we're supposed to be talking about us and our, and our personal experiences. We've had the conversation before about the white side of our family and how they perceive us. Mm. They accept us for who we are. They accept us as part of the family. There's no, it, it wouldn't matter whether we were black or white, but there is a difference. There is a difference in terms of, because, you know, I've had my hair braided. We, at various points of, I mean, I have a, a massive beard now, Jordan, you have a massive beard mm -hmm. now, and you've got some sort of gin strap. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I'm going to show everyone your picture after this. <laughs> <laughs> <The Mexican one. laughs> but, but the point is, no, that, like, see, that, that's a really good example, right? So you use that term Mexican as like derogatory. And that's a mm. flippant comment to make, but that's offensive to somebody, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, so like, that's how difficult it is to dance around racism because some of it is so unconscious and you don't, if unless it directly affects you, it's hard for you to see how that could hurt somebody else. Mm. Anyway, back to the point is the way that we're perceived by the white half of our family is definitely different to the way that the rest of the mm. white people in our family are perceived like athletically we're you know we, we've, we're more accomplished and 
we're you know physically we're we're quite um although we've got like a big family in terms of height um we're still quite figure and um, uh, physically domineering and it's just different right like it's just yeah. it's just it's we treat it differently because of the color of our skin effectively but mm. we grew up in that family yeah so we're used to like so we, we not oblivious to it but we're used to used to microaggressions and some subconscious bias so you realistic things like this bring to the forefront and you realize but how many like well i know i know for a fact i'm gonna ask this question but i know for a fact someone said it to you before how many of your friends or colleagues or someone come back from holiday and said i'm almost as brown as you like yeah. do you know what i mean whereas well, surprise you can get a tan yeah we're mixed race then we see both sides of it we don't massive uh, massively take offense but it's a it's a microaggression mm. um and it's a subconscious bias so saying things like that and there's a million examples of things like that. Um, black man time, which I, I get accused of quite a lot because I'm always late, but it's got nothing yeah, to do I with the colour of my skin. We spoke, <laughs> we spoke last week about the, the, the um, people saying about like West Indians being laid back. Yeah. And uh, I had two comments this week, which one was about me being perceived as being laid back, um, which is like that. Again, I don't... I. And maybe maybe I'm missing it, right? So maybe maybe it's my sensitivity, but I don't hear a lot of other people being referred to as laid back. As in, when I say a lot of other people, no. I mean white people being referred to as laid back. I had it today. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to someone. I said about taking a break when you're working. Um, try not to let things bother you. Make sure you take a step away. And it's like, oh yeah, I need to be more like you, horizontal. It's like, well, no, I just I just don't moan about stuff like this. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the difference. It's not. I'm not more laid back. I just don't. I don't engage in getting upset over things that I can't control or anything like but that. We're not like if we're West Indian by heritage, but we grew up in England. Like yeah, we exactly. grew up, like I said, with around uh, predominantly our mother's family. Um, so any roast dinners rather than yeah. Parties, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's um yeah, it's just, it's just interesting to see that the reaction um, as it's been. I think a lot of like the thing I've been really impressed with is a lot of people are listening and trying to learn yeah the thing i've been really disappointed in is that especially in the, the generation of social media is this commit for a day commit for a week and now i'm back to posting mm. my my normal shit. and that's i mean that's it's difficult in itself right because if you're learning and you're educating yourself that doesn't mean that you have to be posting your support for black lives matter or black people every day like actions are louder than words i'm sorry um yeah actions are louder than words um but i still think it's disappointing when people are acting like life is just carrying on normally like i'd rather see people and obviously this is just my opinion not fucking posting mm -hmm. like take the time to reflect don't if you if you're acting like everything's carried on as normal then everything's carrying on as normal like things will go back to what they were how do you feel about uh how like you obviously been posting we've all been posting stuff this week just to raise awareness how do you feel that that's been received Aaron, i'll let you go because i've been doing a lot of talking um yeah like i think a large percentage of it has been received like it's been received well um but like going back to like the point literally mark would have said about social media and people Back just posting the same shit. It's like a post I posted on my story yesterday. Suddenly, social media has become a negative place. No, like, that's now we're talking about Black Lives Matter and some real life shit, like stuff that actually does matter. Um, well, I found I found on the story, like say posting stuff on stories. Now I get I would get double, probably triple the amount of views of a picture of my feet when I'm in the gym. Than my stories at the moment because people already have the perception that they know what they're going to be like it's an angry message and they can't be asked to look at it yeah they're, yeah my, they're, my they're views head. have dropped off yeah and well, which says it all really doesn't it okay but yeah in their, in their head they're like oh another one of these posts like, yeah exactly that's, what, that's literally what they're thinking but you can they can ignore it and then remain in their echo chamber where everything's fine and it's that's <laughs> a different way. Like, i've i've lost i lose what well, i know i lose a lot quite a lot of faith in like my generation like, it's so fickle that at the, at the end of the day, no matter how you want to dress it up, there a lot of people are more interested in 
Kylie Jenner in a bikini than some real life shit, and that's that, that's just the be and end of it. I don't know why the why that is, but that's just how I, that's how I feel about it. I think I mean we're gonna get into like a really go down a rabbit hole with this, but again back to like the human and behavior aspect. People consume information better when it's like system one thinking, so simple. They don't have to think about it. They mm. can just accept it for what it is. So that's why like. You know, Vine, when Vine was a thing, became like so popular and why now like TikTok, for example, is because people consume information that's simple and, and short. That's the best way for people to consume or tends to be the best way or the way that the brain wants to consume yeah. information. The difficulty is there's so much information and um, like education to be had at the moment. that It's quite taxing. So like, for, even for me, I'll, I'll be completely honest, I've been trying to read and share as much as I can. And I don't share anything without like finding out all the facts and, and doing the research. But it's definitely taken its toll on me. Like, like it's, it's draining. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a it lot. Is, like, uh... Emotionally, it's draining. I'll be, I'll be completely honest, for the past two weeks, I have not slept properly because like it's just been on my mind. I don't like, it's just, I don't, uh, I don't really understand how it can't be on your mind because it's it's who we are and it's the, the world that we're living in. Yeah, it does. Um, it makes, I've had the same. You, you spend your day at work, you obviously look on social media, it drains you to see the, the horrible videos and etc. Then you I try and share as much good positive messages and non not not offensive messages, non-offensive messages, just a educational point of view to get like say raise awareness. Try and do some reading in the evening. And then you find yourself going to bed late, you wake up the next day and you just feel heavy. That's how I felt for the last two weeks just heavy on it which is i'm not sad about it because it shows i'm thinking about it and you know you're taking it seriously and you, I'm, I'm happy if it me feeling heavy is then is nothing in <laughs> in the scale of what's going on yeah um, so i'd happily continue feeling like that but i didn't like say i don't know how we how you're going to continue to get the information to people because the news are already tuning out of it after the protests that weekend the news tuning out for it they've been talking about brexit for the last four years but there's yeah they've, they've yeah, stopped but... talking about I, well, I don't, I don't ever pull punches in anything I say. If there's something on my mind, I'll say it. Um, but people, a, a large number of people don't actually care. Like, no, they don't. You're right. It's been, it's been but a why would they? It doesn't affect them. Like, it, exactly, it doesn't affect them. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a noise to them. Mm. How do you, so how do you two feel about the fact that, let's be completely frank, we're not black and we're not white. Like, we're not, you could easily, or you would easily have you know, the color of our skin is how people denominate us. Mm-hmm. So most people see us as black, mm-hmm. but let's be completely honest: the the black community doesn't just see us as being black, and the white community doesn't see us as necessarily being white. How does that make you feel in the current climate? I've always like we've all got black friends, we've all got white friends. I don't ever feel like. I don't fit in. Well, I don't. I don't feel like I don't fit in with the black side. Sometimes I feel like I don't fit in with the white side. In certain instances, in a pub or in certain places or certain arenas, when they're talking about certain things, with what's going on at the moment, I, it's not changed how I identify, how I feel about myself. It's just, it's just made me realise a lot. It's made me realise about a lot of the things that I've maybe, like I said, been oblivious to before, or comments, etc. That I would have just ignored or let run off my back. That you you start to pay attention to a bit more, and you start focusing on about the people in your life and what are they bringing to it, and are they paying attention to this? I think that's the difficult thing. Yeah. And there will be probably some frank conversations in the future, or well, I'm sure there will be. But what about you, Aaron? I don't. Re- nothing's really changed for me. Um, I feel like I keep myself quite isolated anyway. Um, well, I have I speak to my clients about uh, the issues and that's what's going on in the world, um, and they seem quite perceptive to it. Like I said, I've seen one or two of my friends that haven't been perceptive to it, um, but I've always like I don't really entertain people that don't yeah they don't bring value to my life, so I don't I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start engaged with them now. That's the way I see it. Has either of you in the last two weeks as a white person you know and work or anywhere ask you how you are yeah i have i've had quite a few people reach out to me and say 
ask me how I am or say that they would be really interested to hear my how I feel and my story mm-hmm. like what it what it means to me especially like being you know mixed race do you think that's um, a representation of you living in London and it being more cosmopolitan yeah I think so I mean I mean and I mean this wholeheartedly I think London is the best if not one of the best mm. cities in the world for diversity and it doesn't feel like anybody's home it feels like everybody's home yeah um so i definitely feel like that's that's been a big part of it i think I, I, what about you guys have you i've had nothing no not from what from what i've had one reaction to a story from one person um no one no one's contacted me other than black friends or family and I wonder whether that's like how you're perceived, like how you're perceived by them or whether it's a fear of what you'll say. I think, out, well, out of the three of us, I would be perceived, I, I, I feel like I would be perceived as the angrier black man. Do you know what I mean? The, the one not to approach. You're, you're like, you like to talk, Mark, you've got charismatic people get on with you easily. Uh, and they do me as well, but it's, it's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a bit more of a period of getting to know me before that happens. I think you're you're more emotionally fueled, yeah. Um, and you always have been. And thinking about like the things that you posted, not that I mean, they, I support all of them. Of course, I do. Um, I wonder whether the the attitude is like there's aggression behind those, and it's it's, it's an aggressive yeah, issue, right? That. Like it I is an aggressive that. issue. No, it, my post as well. I'm just saying, like it's an aggressive issue, and I wonder whether that's part of the reason why people. Yeah, I thought that when I posted it, but then I thought. The last post I I made was about um, that lives matter more than what people's feelings. That's just exactly how I feel. So uh, why would I? I think the whole problem is as a race and as we're expected to tone ourselves down. Yeah. Why? So yeah. I don't. Do you? As I say, I don't think anyone could. No one could come to me justifiably and argue with any of those points. I don't think so. Do you, either of you, both of you, how how much do you feel like you've let yourself down by not speaking up enough? Like, I'm sure you've both had situations where you've spoken up. I know that I've definitely, like, every time I've either been close to a fight or in a fight, I say every time, let's say nine times out of ten, it's to do with race. I've heard something, mm. I don't like it, and I'm not having it, so I'll I'll... I'll say something or it, it triggers me. But how, like, when I think about all of those little things, like you said, the microaggressions, how many times have you you stopped that person or, do you know what I mean, like, set somebody straight and said, that's not okay? If it's, it depends who they are. So if it's someone I don't know, I'll be the same as you. I'll react and I have reacted or been in altercations because of it. Um, doesn't usually lead to a resolution. Um, If it's a friend, that's where I've let myself down and let it slide, but because that's the environment I've always known in, like you say, in the family situation and in the friend situation. So you, you brush them off. If it's an acquaintance, I would, I would question it, but more on a, not on a a jokey level or call you out, but I'm not being aggressive with it or being, or fronting it up, I'm just saying that's a bit out of order, sort of thing. But yeah. I think uh, where we're, like you say, where we're right in the middle of it, I feel like sometimes, me personally, sometimes you feel awkward pulling people up on these things when, why? Unless you feel yeah. awkward for saying it. So, what about you, Aaron? Yeah, I've not, I've not always pulled people up. Um, sometimes I have, but not, not always. I haven't, so I have been, um, I have been guilty of that. So, um, that's something I definitely need to work on for sure. Because otherwise, think... it's just obviously things have been brought up in the moment, and it's now made me think like nothing. Someone, someone got killed, and it was on camera. But this has been happening for many years. So now, even in my own behaviour, so even though I want other people to change, I need to change my own behaviour and be on this for the rest of my life, not just for two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's the point, right? Like what's happening now is a line in the sand. And even if things don't change significantly in the short term, they should change for us as individuals, as in we should take accountability for 
the people around us, the people we interact with and our own behavior. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to say I've never been ashamed of my, the, my black heritage. I've never been ashamed of my white heritage, but I've definitely pandered to audiences as in I've definitely toned things down or toned mm. things up depending on who I'm with. And, but we have like the environment, yes. we have that work voice, don't we? Yeah, the exactly. Presentation that a lot, of, a lot of black people do. They have a different tone when they're in, in the office, and we have that around in certain situations. But I think, like you say, where we need to change ourselves is, you ever been told, oh, you, you, you're really articulate, or you speak really well, when it comes to the connotation of why would I not be able to speak well? Mm. And this, that, those are the type of things you should be bringing up and saying, well, saying that exactly. Why? Why would I not speak? Well, what, what gave you the assumption that I couldn't articulate a sentence? Um, and this, I wonder whether this is like why sometimes, and this isn't an excuse, but I wonder why this is sometimes why we step down in those situations because we're both black and white, right? So mm -hmm. it's it, like you may listen to this and think if you're just listening to it, maybe you couldn't tell. What, whether we you know what color we were unless unless it was explicit maybe you wouldn't be able to tell maybe you mm. could yeah maybe there's there's a there are points where you can hear you know um the the more like the the, the more slangy style way of speaking that we have because you know we mm. grew up with or black friends and have black friends and that's a firm part of who we are and then the other half is well our family is the other half of our family is white our careers, all three of us really like are in industries where it's predominantly white, and you, and when you when you're neither when you're neither black mm. or white, you kind of you just sort of balancing between those two lines, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I feel like yeah, we're afforded we're afforded more privilege, I feel, than than pure black people, I think. Yeah, um, with a darker skin tone, um, because. They, because we have got white in us, they see that we, well, they say that we can act a, a certain way um, where I feel like black, white people will judge black people more on their stereotype rather than who they are. I, I had a conversation this week where I was talking about my, how I'm feeling about the current situation and explained that, you know, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't, when I try to see it from both sides, as we've discussed, it's not about empathizing with white people for having privilege and fucking inflicting hundreds of years of pain on black people. But I have a white mum and I have a black dad. And the person I was speaking to was surprised to hear that I was half, uh, half white. Mm. Really? And I was like, first of all, I was surprised. I was like, you know, most people see that, you know, I, I might have a slightly darker complexion, complexion than some mixed race people, but it's it's fairly obvious. But then it, it made me think, well, how have you perceived me up until now? Yeah. Like how have you, how have you discounted my value? They may not have done, but it made me, it just, it, it and, and they probably haven't done knowing the, the person as I do, but it just made me think, have you discounted me? because you thought I was black and what a shit situation that yeah. is if, if you are black and like you said, and how I say fortunate, it's not really fortunate, but like privileged, I guess is the, is the right yeah. word to, for people to see you in a, a positive light because you have white relatives or you have, you know, a white parent and that's fucked up. Yeah, that's, well, how that's how divisive people are. I always feel like, the mix, being mixed race has got me, like, we, we all do okay for ourselves. It's got me to a certain point, but then I'm also held back from the, the top point. Yeah. So you're allowed to be in the room. You're just not allowed to be at the head of the table sort of thing. Um, well, I've, I've had a similar, well, my experience, as you've seen, George, like, I am on all of the top tables, but I think it's because of the colour of my skin. Yeah. It's because in, in our industry there aren't people that look like us like well there are but there are very few mm. and because of that because i'm young and i'm doing well and my skin's brown that's afforded me more opportunities and i've I've been able to take advantage of that yeah and i guess that leads on to like you know well there's a, there's a conversation to be had right about like what's right and wrong to fix that problem like is it is it is it about quotas is it about 
positive discrimination? Is it like can things can you know how how do you, how how do you think we go about solving this problem? I think you say about quotas and it's something they've tried to implement in football. They did in American football, like the Rooney Rule, where a certain number of black applicants have to be seen for any open position. I think originally. I was questioning it because you, as much as black people are at disadvantage, you still want to earn your position. But then having thought about it and done some research, I think it's not a level playing field. So the only way for people to get into those positions and give uh, an equal representation across the board is to, is to use these systems and structures like the Rooney Rule, like positive discrimination as you described it, to get people in those positions. And it will help further generations so they can earn the right I don't think there's any at the moment there's no system in place to just earn the right. There are there are a few people that that manage to do that. Yeah. But I think on the whole there's not those opportunities for everyone. So I think there does need to be something that changes. What do you think, Aaron? I think in an ideal world then there in an ideal world there wouldn't be any quote or any Rooney rule because people would just see you for you rather than the colour of your skin and whoever's best for the job gets the job or gets in the interview. But obviously, that's not the ideal world we live in. Um, I was watching, because like you said, about people wanting to get educated, I needed to educate myself more on the situation as well. Um, so I was watching a Reggie Yates documentary the other day. And in South Africa, like this, it's almost reversed now, where yeah. black, it black, is reversed. People, yeah. Yeah, black people are the higher uh, in the country, earning the more money. And the white people are poor, can't get a job because they're white because of the colour of their skin. Um, so equally, obviously, that's not right. So you want to sort of you want to sort of find that middle ground, but um, if you can't find that middle ground from people being not seeing skin color and just picking the best people, then you've got to at least try and implement something that gets them people of color seen in the room. Do you know what I mean? Well, look at look at it from a football point of view. Like Raheem Sterling said this week, there's not enough black coaches, and he gave the example of Ashley Cole and Sol Campbell versus Gerard Lampard. All of them are captain England at some point. All of them have won top honours. Um, all started coaching around the same time. One's coaching in the Scottish Premier League, one's coaching in the Premier League, and the other two are out of the top job. clubs as well. Yeah. yeah. And they went straight in the top club. So Gerard started at Rangers. Lampard started at Derby in the Championship. And Sol Campbell was managing at Macclesfield, and Ashley Cole can't get a job. And then Rio Ferdinand couldn't get a job. Rio Ferdinand couldn't get a job. John Terry, who was stripped of his captaincy for using a black uh, racial slur, is a coach at a Chamber Premier League club instantly. Yeah, I, that's uh, that's interesting. That's reminded me of something yesterday. So obviously Dwight York said um, it's so hard for black people, uh, ex-players to get jobs. Even with Sir Alex Ferguson endorsing me, I still can't get a job. And then the li- you go down the list of replies and it was, yeah, but you're a bad look for the club because you don't, you never take ownership of your kid, etc. blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hold on a minute. Like you said about John Terry, all the stuff mm. he's done and other 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 managers that there are, the stuff that they've done. So it's not a problem for them, but it's a problem for him because he's done that. Well, that was the same on the Ashley Cole and uh, Sol Campbell and those people commenting saying, oh, you didn't get a top job because you left you left Chelsea or you left Tottenham. So it shows you're not loyal. It's like, but what what's that got to do with a managerial role in a club that will give you a two-year contract and sack you anyway? There's yeah. no loyalty in football. No, I think and it, it goes down to back to the, systemic uh, racism thing. Going back to the Troy Townsend interview as well, he said, um, Jamie was asking him the questions, obviously, saying, what do you think this? What do you think that? And he said, Troy, uh, Troy Townsend said, Jamie, I'm not being funny. If if there were black people in the positions already there, you wouldn't be asking me the questions. You'd be asking the person sat next to you. Mm. They're not there. They're not there, are they? No. I think that the difficulty is just like with any of so we're talking about systemic racism. Systemic racism is, is a system of oppression, right? So the same way you have a system of oppression, you need um, uh, what the whatever the synonym uh, or antonym, sorry, of, of um, oppression, repression. I don't know. Um, but you, <laughs> you need the opposite, right? You need a, a system that counter counteracts or counterbalances. The, the negative system opposite, and, opposite pressure yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> um so the, the the difficulty with that is is that it's not like like you said at the beginning of this 400 years plus mm. like that's a well-established well-ingrained system now 
the reason why South Africa went for positive discrimination was because it was the quickest way to rebalance things. Mm. But in reality, it's not, because all it does is creates the same situation in reverse. Mm. So you end up with another generation of oppressed, underprivileged people. But this time they're white, this time they're white, and then they grow up resenting black people, which is exactly what's happened in South Africa. Yeah. So like, there has to be a smarter way to rebalance things, i.e. like if you've got two people in the same job and like, for example, being able to weight a black person's salary based on their socioeconomic experience. So if they've come from a poor household, they haven't gone to the, the best university or haven't gone to university at all. And they have like, they're working in the same job as somebody who has more experience. They're never going to catch up, right? So it has to be a way to weight their salary to effectively give them that boost mm-hmm. and and then tie that back to like their performance for the company. Because ultimately, right, like business is business. And if you're giving someone a job and you're paying them a certain amount of money, you need to be able to see a return on that. Yeah. If you're if you're paying if you're paying a white person fifty grand and then like you said we use a system where a, white, a black person's salary is weighted and let's say their salary is sixty grand, what more value are they getting for that individual? And I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to let me just again make this crystal clear. I'm not saying that that's the answer, and I'm not saying that that doesn't come that isn't a flawed example, but it was like the first thing that, that sprung to mind. So there have to be there has to be smarter systems to help people up, yeah. As well as the foundation underneath to like improve schooling, improve housing, improve access to education. Like not have this segregated system where if you're black, you end up in a lower paid job in a you know poorer part of the country or whatever, being oppressed yeah. by the system. There has to be help to get out of that situation and you know, an equalization. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Like, it, it's like you say, what's what's equal or what's bringing it to a, a level playing field? I'll go. I will revert back to football again. With the they implemented the Rooney Rule over here, but the Premier League opted out of it, so it only applies from Championship down, and they only have to interview a black candidate or ethnic minority candidate. Right, so that's not. You're not disadvantaging a white counterpart because the best person should still get the job. The flaw in the process, though, is a the Premier League's it's opted out. Case. Yeah, but a the Premier League's opted out, so it's not a it's not a level playing field anyway because they're still going to be coming out at a lower level than a lot of white counterparts. And b the process for hiring in the Premier League and a lot of companies at the higher level is they will sack a manager and they'd have already appointed the manager before making that sacking, rather than having an open interview process where you interview these candidates so then the best person does get that job that they're not even afforded that opportunity and that happens well we see it a lot in, in our industry in a lot of company industries people are given positions or correct positions are created for them or they're they're given a head start essentially on what a role that might be coming up rather than having an open process and i know a lot of work's gone to do that but there's a lot more work that needs to be done so taking it back to the football example so you've got gerard lampard you've got ashley cole and sol campbell Obviously, like I said, they've the you know the the two white examples um, have got jobs: uh, yeah. Rangers manager and and Chelsea manager, and what was he? Uh, he was Derby manager before that, right? Yeah. But if you're looking at purely based on experience, none of them have any experience or had any experience before they entered the game. No, and if you're going on football in terms, Ashley Cole's the most decorated footballer of all of them. Yeah, but that, that's that's not relevant to coaching, right? That's no, relevant no, to their relevant. playing experience. So I'm saying, all I'm saying is, like, that could that's a completely level playing field. Now, obviously, they should be equally opportune in getting those jobs. Mm. But how? But like, how do you, if if for whatever reason, the presentation that Gerard and Lampard gave in those jobs, and let's say that. Uh, Sol Campbell and Ashley Cole apply for the same jobs. If their presentation is better, if it appeals to the people more, and whether it's an unconscious or conscious decision, like in terms of race, 
or like you know what i mean yeah. how, how do you how do you get over that how do you how do you change your system where you're like that person's clearly better or i think that person's clearly better based on what they presented to me. i don't i don't know i don't know what the presentation they give i'm a liverpool fan and a massive Stephen giant fan so it's not to discredit the fact that you got the opportunity i think it comes from perception in football in terms comes from the perception of them even when they're playing so Gerard and Lampard are seen as the leaders of their team. Yeah. The great white hope. Whereas good black players are seen as accessories to success. Mm -hmm. They're not the reason for the success. They are just part of the team that caused that, even if they are the reason. The only team that realistically I can see that champions a black player as their best player is, is Man United, probably with Paul Pogba. Even when he's terrible. He's championed as, as their best yeah. player. Whereas other teams, like I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, Sadio Mane has a better season than all, uh, all of our team, but he doesn't get the credit. doesn't get the same credit that another player would get. But it's, this, that's what I'm saying. I guess the thing that I probably didn't articulate very well is it, it, there's two sides to that story, right? And Well, it's more than two sides to that story. One is he isn't instilled with the confidence to be that player because he's grown up not mm. feeling like he is that 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 figure in the in the changing room, right? Doesn't matter how like, let's be honest, like there's the beautiful thing of black confidence. Black mm. confidence is like it's just like, I don't know, it's a level above. If you if you if you really get into it, right? Like the confidence that black people have and the 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 visual confidence that black people have is something else. So the fact that we can wear our hair in like, you know, whatever style we want and own it isn't something necessary that white people would do anyway i'm kind of getting off track but you you kind of get my point right like there is there is an underlying confidence but at the same time it's a confidence in certain situations and someone like sadio mane or any any black professional sports person has confidence to a point so they don't have confidence to do the thing that traditionally white people have done and if they do have the confidence to do the thing that people the white people have traditionally done the question is do they have the same aptitude and skill set to then execute on it? And that's always the thing that's thrown into question, isn't it? Mm. Because white people are perceived to have that X factor or some, you know, a certain level of education or an attitude back to the thing about um, being laid back. It's like you can be the hardest working, working person in the room, but if in that moment somebody sees you leaning on the back of your chair, yeah, you don't get the. Um, you know what I mean? You don't get the leeway. There's no leeway. Yeah, I think you just get unfairly treated. I think that's the that's the be all and end of it. Look, you said about Paul Pogba, the best player at Man United. All he has to do is drive a car, and he's 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 front. Yeah, it's... They're, they're slating him. He has to post on social media, and Jack Grealish can break lockdown and drive into a bunch of cars drunk. It's forgotten. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's three days later. Yeah, it's uh. It's yeah, there's no there's it, for black. We're speaking speaking on just sport now, really, but it probably filters into other things. There's no leeway. There's no. You can't as long as you when you're doing well, it's fantastic. As soon as you step out of line, take boxing. Take Anthony Joshua. He read out a poem the other day or a statement. He was absolutely slated as a racist. He said invest in black businesses. Tyson Fury uh, failed a drugs test for contaminated wild boar. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly had a two year ban. Um, which obviously affected his mental health, and he self-medicated with cocaine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I'm not, I'm not obviously, but he, he obviously don't, did don't forget he, the anti-Semitic remarks and the anti-gay remarks as well. But yeah, right. um, but there's no obviously he had mental health issues, and there's no you can't undermine that, and it would affect him in a certain way. But he's been afforded because of that. He's been informed. And afforded like amnesty essentially to the point where all that's forgotten because he's won two fights since he's come back whereas that's not afforded to other to black athletes that that couldn't happen there's no way there's no way if anthony joshua had failed a drugs test and then subsequently went to the world cup was doing jaeger bombs and snorting coke would he ever be on tv on sky again I mean, this 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 goes back to the systemic thing around like um, black being perceived as bad, it, like as yeah. a color, like you know you're blacklisted, 
Um, I remember being with this stuff. Like, yeah, blackmail. I was like 15. I was at a friend's house, white friend's house. And his sister said to me, we were talking about somebody that we, that we both went to school with. And she said, this girl is whiter than white. And I was like, it just, I don't know why. It just, again, triggered me or struck a chord yeah. with me. And I was like, that's, that's racist. Like, why is she whiter than white? Why, why has it got to be that white is a positive? And I actually said this to her. I was, like, I was really like yeah. affronted by it. Um, but the point that I'm making is that the media and their perception of black people isn't just because of the actions that they take. It's so ingrained in their thinking, in their subconscious, that black is this bad thing. You know, Raheem Sterling gets a, ta- a gun tattoo on his leg or, you know, like wh- whatever. And there's all of these other sports people. There's all of these other celebrities. There's all of these other, you know, criminals in society that do the same. Mm. Or what? Fucking Donald Trump is a racist and a rapist, a pedophile. Yeah. Like, uh, like, and he's the president of the largest country in the world. Allegedly, actually. <sighs> Yeah, well, like, it just comes back down to that that it, there's no other, they are just they are just racist. Like so there's so many examples you can use. LeBron James when he tried to uh, say his political views, and the news reporter said, "Shut up and dribble." And yeah, the a white quarterback of the NFL. She's recently there was a side by side video of it, and she said he should be allowed to say his views. Like mm. it just comes back down to it's just they're just racist. It's as simple as that. In my mind, anyway. What doesn't, yeah, what doesn't sit by me and sit right with me is um, just that you're not afforded. I get the impression that when black athletes make statements that people don't agree with or do things that they don't agree with, the comments and the things that people say, they act like they should be grateful just to be in the position they are, like they didn't put themselves in that position, like they were just given it, which yeah. makes no sense. So, Anthony Joshua. Or LeBron James. LeBron James is the best basketball player on the planet, but he can't talk about politics. Why? But because some some randomer from Rochdale can talk about it all they want. How does? That's, does that it, that's that's where I feel that is going to add. How we can add to the change is because in America, especially in America, they get marginalised. All all the black famous people are rappers, uh, basketball players, like they're all athletes or whatever. And then whenever they want to put a view or anything about life, they get marginalised into what they say. So that's also why I believe we need more black business people as well, sitting on higher boards, owning more companies, so we actually have a voice in different rooms. Yeah, but it's like, it's back to, so, so to the point about black, black-owned businesses, again, it's just, there's a system in place, especially in the modern world, in terms of how business works, a lot of... Um, like startups or or businesses require funding. They get funding from where? Mm-hmm. Venture capital from banks. Mm-hmm. Venture capitalists predominantly white, predominantly male. Uh, banks predominantly white, predominantly male. So you already you already have this barrier to entry. It's not it's not a level playing field from the from the get go. Mm-hmm. Like you have to appeal to somebody who has a, a unconscious bias against you. Mm. And it's like you have to work, you know, say twice as hard, but you have to work harder to get to the starting block. I think you're definitely right about like, I just think we do get marginalised a lot. Like I, I tried to look at the like the top ten uh, either like wealthiest uh, black business people or like just biz- like yeah business people, and um, like half of them are rappers like Jay Z or uh, Oprah. She's like obviously a TV presenter how many black people are known or get to places just for their business? Like, mm-hmm. you know I mean, not, not many. I didn't, yeah, I, they I, are, I, yeah. I didn't know any of them on there apart from the, the rappers and the TV presenters. Mm. Yeah, because the aim, the aim for black people isn't to get to the top. For most of, for most black people, it, it is to get, it's to get to the top table. Do you know what I mean? Like they ultimately want to get to the top. They want to get to those CEO positions. They want to get to own their own companies. But they've got so so much work to do just to get to the table, like to to have that conversation, and that's again back to systemic racism. It's 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 entrenched in society. I think, well, like you said, this investment is required. A lot of uh, companies have obviously done PR pieces and press releases where they're investing. Michael Jordan's already investing a hundred million over the next ten years. Apple have said they're. Doing 100 million over 10 years. They said that to Adidas. And the cynical Adidas. side is me is like, these are all tax write offs. Yeah. So 
like yeah one of the things apple did they said which was which is essentially positive discrimination they said they're in they're having a black uh i don't know if it's internship or a sector where they actually focus on, that, on yeah. black developers which that, that that is a positive change because you're not you're not discrediting in that field any any white developers because you can be a developer in your bedroom they're just giving a focus to a, a group that aren't thriving to allow them to thrive and off that you can get you there's possibility that you will get tech millionaires black tech millionaires off that who can develop, develop something i think that's and we uh, i think but i think the thing to remember is that we i say we like we black people um we people of color whatever you want to whatever you want to call it i don't uh, don't particularly like that term either because it would suggest that if you're if you're not black then you're a person without color mm. or, i don't know like what the fuck is that but need to need to champion each other and i don't just mean in terms of like uh oh yeah i'm with you bro like i yeah, support you like yeah of course like you know it's not that it's about not marginalizing black people who want to do better by being in traditionally white industries or white roles so yeah. you just spoke about apple and developers that's not something that like if you're a black guy doing that you're a fucking geek you're yeah. you know, blah, 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 whatever like so there's a part that we have like a role that we have to play in this in empowering ourselves and the people around us to to break those boundaries yeah yeah 100 i don't think the black community doesn't uplift each other enough i totally agree with that totally agree with that it's like yeah competitive with one another and the odd thing is right so i was i was speaking to somebody about this the other day again the gift that you're given as a black person, yeah. right? That you don't even, you're not taught, it just happens. I say gift, it is a gift. Like the, the solidarity that we have as black people is if you see a black person in the street, you don't know, you will nod to that person. It's like <laughs> a sign of like, you're laughing because you know, right? Like it's this unknown thing. Like white people don't even see it. The number of yeah. times I've mentioned it to white people, it's like, don't be ridiculous, that's not a thing. Well, when like, they do see is. it, they say, do you know him? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's this entrenched solidarity that's there and it's like we should be doing more of that i know that's like a conscious unconscious thing to you know acknowledge somebody because mm. you're like yeah we're in this as well like we're one of the five people in this situation or you know we're the, the marginalized people in this society but there needs to be more of that i yeah, don't mean like exactly. secret fucking handshakes or secret nods i just mean like supporting each other like recognizing we are the same and we're all trying to push in the same direction mm. you know I think, yeah like you said going back to the like you said if someone if a black guy was a, a tech engineer or whatever at apple maybe looked at like a geek or whatever um but i think we need to be getting in at all levels we need to we need to see more black lawyers more black policemen do you know what i mean at, at, yeah, yeah the aspirational roles need to change yeah. what we aspire to be needs to change yeah just a rapper or a dancer or a singer or a yeah, wealth doesn't come from having an expensive thing. Like, I've had expensive things in my life when I didn't have any money. Yeah, now I've yeah. got money, and I don't like I don't spend my money on expensive things because I realise the value of that money is better placed elsewhere. But that in saying that though, I was having a discussion with my partner the other day. That's where I think there does need to be not quotas, but some focus, black focused investment. It's not charity because in reality there's certain industries that we could never get into without any help you yeah. can't start a car company without a billion dollars or a billion pounds it's not yeah. it's, it can't happen there's or a mobile phone company or those things can't physically happen without a lot of investment or generational wealth has happened for people that have have those things so that's yeah. where the, there does need to be to be truly equal in that sense that does need to be there does need to be assistance in there because it will be black owned. It doesn't mean they're only going to hire black people. It doesn't mean you're cutting into a car market, for example. If you want to buy the car, you buy it. If you don't, you don't. If it fails, it fails. So that's that's not the point. It's just having the opportunity to be even be in those industries, which isn't available at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think it comes to a surprise though that I've seen on Twitter this week that a lot of uh, businesses that you think were black and products that you think were black aren't actually black owned. No, well, I was in I was in Morrison's. Supermalt's not black. Yeah, I was going to say I was in Morrison's. Not black owned. I was looking at um, old Jamaican uh, ginger beer, made in Jamaica, not by Jamaicans. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's uh, like you say, you you think you're investing in the right thing, but you're not. 
But that's what I mean. They're not in it. It's how how hard is that to do? Like we've been to, we went we went to Dominican, obviously, Aaron, a couple of years yeah. ago now, and you see there that the the landscape is vast. They produce a lot of things out there, but the people they report, they don't even have a fridge. How does that balance out? How are they producing chocolate that's, that's sold widely over here, but can't even afford clothes? That doesn't. I think, and I don't know this for certain. I think in the Dominican is an example of like political. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. We were told like, there's like hundreds of resorts there, and there's not one owned by Dominican. Yeah. So they but, they have a corrupt political agenda yeah. there, and that's so the, the distribution of wealth doesn't go back into the country; it goes to a few. But that's the same people. as well, obviously we we originate from Barbados. That's the same as Barbados. We went to Barbados. There's lots yeah. of nice houses there, mansions, and big hotels there. They're not owned by Bajans. No. I think the next decade is key. I think, like, seen, like I said earlier, some lot companies say they're going to invest stuff in black communities stuff over the next 10 years. But we need to see the effect that has and the opportunities that affords people, um, giving them the opportunity to get into certain rooms, certain positions, and then how they that's maintained going forward. In terms of people's perceptions, that can only be carry, carried on through us raising aware continue to raise awareness and pulling people up on certain things and microaggressions in terms of perceptions from police or authority th figures that comes from the changing process um and more accountability on their part and proper reporting but that that's all going to take time and, and you need everyone to buy into it so I, i'm i'm cautiously optimistic that things can change and that our kids won't be speaking in a podcast in 20 years time about the same shit but it, it requires, like we say, a concerted effort from everyone, and it requires a, a concerted effort from the black community to build each other up and not tear each other down. Because if you're being oppressed from the outside, why would we be attacking each other on the inside as well? So I think it can. It's just going to take time. Aaron? Um, I, don't, I don't think it will change, sadly. Okay, I I think we should um we should try and wrap this up. So yeah. I think our last question should be, do we think things can change? And if so, which I think we all we all uh, like we've spoken about this. I think we all we all hope that things change. We all think that things can can change, but how long is it going to take for things to change? How long? Well, can it? Like, can we get there? Can we get to a place of parity? Because like, I've always had the hope. And especially because I come, you know, being half black and being half white, I've always had the hope that everybody would have a more positive experience and just treat people as people rather than a colour or a race or a country or a religion. So anyway, hopefully, to try and put it more succinctly, is it, can, we, can, we, can things change? And how long do we think it will take? Unless wholesale changes are made, which I don't see happening, I think it would just be a bit of a fad. Like you said, these companies are saying they're going to put money in, this, this and that. We've we've heard it all before. So until I actually see change in my own eyes, I, I don't think it will change that rapidly. Obviously, like generation to generation, obviously it's slowly phased out um, over time. And I think it will continue to do so. But I think like saying about police, they'll be treating black people differently. Yeah, they might do for the next couple of years, but everyone everyone always reverts back to type. So I can't see it. I can't see it changing properly for a while anyway. Well, I think the thing, genuinely, the thing that gives me hope is mixed relationships, because you know, as children of a mixed relationship, it's given us a unique perspective or a different perspective to being black or being white. And I think like mixed relationships, I'm sure they've been happening for centuries, yeah. but, but not to the level of prominence that they are now. So if you look at the last, uh, like, so, so for example, the Windrush generation, dad came over from Barbados, mum and dad got together. It was, it was seen as a, as a, um, a sort of a, a, a negative and, an, and an, um, an outrageous thing to do. But that was only, how old am I, 35? 35 40 years ago that mm. that was that that was the case now you know i my girlfriends from new zealand jordan your girlfriends 
English. Aaron, your girlfriend's invisible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the point is, like, the more mixed relationships that we have, the better the opportunity to understand both sides of the coin and then not have to make the change because you are, like, that. I don't want to sound like like a really cheesy thing, but you are that change. I think the, the, the job that we have, like the, the thing that we can do to impact that change is hold people, is hold society, is to, is to hold businesses to account. So if we let it die, if, if we let the movement die and, and when our friends say something racist or act on a, a bias that they have and we don't stand up and say something, we're, we're the problem. Mm. We're perpetuating it. So our roles in society are to hold all of the people that's just, is to hold society to to account. And mm. obviously that's not as easy as it sounds because if you're in your job and your boss does something that you disagree with because it's fundamentally racist, do you that's say right. something? Exactly. Well, <laughs> let's, say, let's, say, let's say say something. Do you say something and risk losing your job? Or do you... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that there are, there's, a, there's, there's striking a balance. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. It's not as simple as you just have to say the thing that's right all the time. But I think our, our role is to hold people to account. Is yes, definitely. What I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's it from from me. That's episode one. Episode one done. Deep and um, heavy. Yeah, um, I'm sure. <laughs> Other other conversations will be um, lighter, shall we say? Yeah, but um, this is something we had to speak about, don't really? Yeah, and we'll see we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, and like I say, hopefully the conversation can be lighter because there's been some positive change and some positive news. And I think it's again to that point of holding holding ourselves to account, holding society to account. I think it's our job to make sure that we address this issue at least as part of a segment. Mm. every 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 episode because if we're talking about it all the time it doesn't go away yeah no i agree okay all right guys oh, signing out